0: Hello and welcome to Willosophy with Will Anderson. I am Will Anderson from the title of the podcast. It was lovely to have Ella Hooper on the show. Uh, Very much enjoyed this chat and it it really did feel like a chat. Just felt like an old-fashioned gas bag and we covered a lot of territory and had some great laughs along the way. It's um, a great fun episode, so I hope you're going to enjoy it. If you like this podcast and you would like to support it coming out weekly, patreon.com slash Willosophy, patreon.com slash Willosophy, this is an indie podcast and I like to make sure that everybody helps me put it together, gets paid and uh, the best way to do that is we run a couple of ads, uh, which is nice. Hello advertisers, thank you for being involved. Uh, but also the main way that we support it is through your Patreon contribution. So patreon.com slash or come and see me do a stand-up show. That's another way to support me, plus you get a stand-up show out of it. So... Uh, if you're listening to this on the wednesday that it comes out i am in brunswick heads uh, so if you're in byron lismore uh, gold coast that part of the world come and see my will inform show at brunswick heads this is the show i did in melbourne in 2019 but i've updated it and written a whole bunch of new stuff as well and yeah i'm uh, at the brunswick picture house so if you're hearing this on the wednesday and you want to come on the wednesday that's a good night to come the weekend's gonna uh, be full pretty soon maybe by the time you're hearing this but uh, Wednesday and Thursday, still some tickets available. So come along and have a look at that show. That'd be cool. So after that, I take Will Inform to the Adelaide Fringe, playing a smaller venue than usual because uh, we added the shows a little bit late. So will sell out, so getting quick for Will Informed at the Adelaide Fringe, and then after that, two two weeks of Will Eagle, my old show about being arrested, return season of that at the Melbourne Comedy Festival, and then two weeks of my entirely improvised show, What You Talking About, Will? So um, that's going to be super exciting to do that for the very first time at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, all made up on the spot. Uh, no two shows the same. Uh, that is What You Talking About, Will. I'm touring around the country the rest of the year. Some of those shows are already on sale. I think Brisbane and Perth and a bunch of other places as well so comedy.com.au is the place to go to find information about that hope you enjoy this episode with ella Hooper. Hello and welcome to Philosophy with Will Anderson. I am Will Anderson from the title of the podcast. This is how the podcast starts because I actually like uh, when the guest has not heard the podcast because <laughs> oh. it gives me, no, it's not a noobs. It gives me, it means that some of my tricks are up my sleeve and ah. I get to ask these things fresh and see what the person's reaction is rather than someone who's heard the podcast before. <laughs> so this is how it starts. I ask you who you are. So who are you?
1: I'm Ella Kiri Hooper, 37 years old. A week ago, lead singer of Killing Heidi and uh, other bands.
0: Okay, so a week ago, so Aquarian.
1: Yes, I am. Yeah.
0: So what? Oh what, yes, I what, am. What's your birth date?
1: It's the thirtieth and the thirty-first. I, uh, I claim two birthdays.
0: Hang on, so do you, okay,
1: well, <laughs> it's uh, really
0: the thirtieth. Why? Okay, so it really is the thirtieth. Why do you claim the thirtieth and the thirty-first? What's the why, when you say that? What do you mean by that?
1: Because well, there's a bit of a the story behind it is that my my beautiful sort of uh, hippie leaning parents mm. had a bit of a home birth with both Jesse, my brother, and I. Home birth back in the day, we beat the doctor both times. Like they did have doctors and nurses there, yeah. but they were a bit late, and I came out quick, 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 like a little piece of soap mum says. And anyway, it was all over in a flash and it was super like early in the morning or late at night. So the day was ticking over anyway. They were out of their minds with, you know, like stress and excitement. And so mum always swears it's the 30th and dad was always like, no, I'm sure it was the 31st. My birth certificate says the 30th and that's probably what it is. But knowing that no one was there at the time to write that birth certificate in the moment and they didn't arrive till a little bit later. Maybe they got it wrong. Maybe. Who knows?
0: Okay. so Also
1: because this book that I live and die Mm -hmm. by, The Secret Language of Birthdays. Oh, okay. So tell me about this. The 31st 31st of January in that book is called The Day of Poetic Song. Every single day of the year has a full page, two pages in this book, Mm -hmm. personality description, destiny description, what your habits might be, what your strengths and weaknesses are. It basically reads you to a T. In drag queen speak, now so
0: are you? Do you relate more to the thirty first than you do to the thirtieth?
1: We'll get this. The the thirtieth is called like something I can't. It's. I think it's called the day of organized take charge. Also, which is the (laughs) opposite of who I am. I am a mess. I am the late one. I am the 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 little the classic little sister with my shit very much not together. And then the thirty first is the day of poetic song, so I'm taking the thirty first. Okay, so even though it's probably tell
0: me more about the day of poetic song because it sounds like you know more. You've read into you know what these things are that it explains, and I'm going to give you a little reveal in a little while that will be. uh, But let's let's, do. We have
1: the same birthday.
0: Let's get out of town. My birthday is January the thirty first. Bull fucking shit. Uh, No bull fucking shit. No way. True. Yeah, but actually the 31st, not necessarily the 30th. Actually, the 31st, January <laughs> and 31st.
1: That is flipping.
0: So tell, Whoa. so tell me now, because I, I didn't know that either, Happy and birthday. we've known each other, you know, on and off for a very I know, long time, I know, and it's had no idea. never come up.
1: I definitely got Aquarian vibes. But I didn't know we shared a freaking birthday. Yeah,
0: so tell me according Whoa! according to this book, tell me what it says okay. about my birthday. Because oh. I'm now personally invested in this story.
1: <laughs> we're awesome. <laughs> Basically, we'll we're we're fucking awesome. <laughs> we're charming, we're creative. No, no. We're a little bit um like some of the 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 not so good traits yeah. re- ring true for me as well. Like a tell little me. bit scattered. Uh, we we'll well, desires to be. Would love to be seen as profound, but never will be. Oh, yeah. will always that describes his podcast. But, but, well it's like there's some line like, but you will remain for others, but a lyric song to be mused upon and never, much to your chagrin, taken seriously. And I'm like, oh, oh my god, like as we just said off air, you're like, What are you into? And I'm like, Oh, you know, a lot of different stuff, bit of philosophy. Like, I do have this kind of lifelong bugbear, but I've I've let it go as I've gotten older, about not being taken seriously. I'm a chirpy chick. Like I'm a, I'm a small, bouncy, fun kind of of human, but I'm actually also quite smart and I mean, intelligent. And sometimes I feel like people really do not put that up high in my character traits. Like when they think of me, that's not what they think of. So things I don't know. Do you relate to any of that?
0: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I do to much of that, but Mm. I'm surprised by what you say of yourself there that, that, that people don't consider like don't necessarily when they're not that they don't not consider you intelligent. It's just not the first thing yeah. that they think about I because think they think I'm even stupid, with but... your music, like it always struck me as being having quite, you know, I think why people thought you were older than you were mm-hmm. when you first started because it had an emotional intelligence at the very least to it, like a depth of, you know, sort of metaphor and analogy and like what it was trying to say about, you know, something a bit more broad. Oh, I think nice. that, you know, to me, has always, you know, struck me as being like. But of course, you get it. Well, well, I get it because we have the, the same birthday. birthday. <laughs> Basically, the same person. Yeah, I'm looking in the mirror.
1: There's a mirror. <laughs> this is really weird. I can't get over that. I'm actually, I've gone all hot. I've got a hot flush because I feel like this is a very. Um, A woo-woo manifestation moment that we're experiencing.
0: Okay. So what's your woo-woo vibe? Are you a woo-woo person? Because I'm, I was having this conversation with Marie Cardi, who's previously been on this podcast the other day. And I was saying to her that I think I find myself very much trapped between two worlds. If I was going to be honest about how I would represent myself, which is that I am a great believer in facts and science and, you know, like, and actually strive, you know, often to, you know, like to read those facts and to, you know, understand the science and understand that, you know, reality versus, you know, perception. But at the same time, I have a big soft spot for woo-woo. Like I have, a, you know, same there's... here. Even if I don't believe it necessarily, I enjoy it.
1: Exactly. And how can that be wrong? If something raises your vibration and we all... Okay, I think we can all agree that vibrations are real. Mm. Obviously, that's how I make freaking music. That's how we're speaking right now. Right. It's the vibrations from our vocal cords and the energy that we're getting from our lungs and the air, we're taking it in and we're pushing it out. Um, and, of course, there's all, well, most of them we can't see, so sound waves we can't see. You know, If you drop something in water, yes, you can see those ripples in the water because water is thicker, blah, 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 different consistency, but I just don't see how that wouldn't and couldn't translate into a myriad of types of vibrations that we don't fully understand and maybe can't even test for yet, like vibes, vibes between people, the vibe between Us versus the vibe between you and I and somebody else or whatever. I mean, that shit to me, I don't understand it. I don't know how to speak to it very scientifically, but I feel it.
0: You know, I do. Yeah, I, I do know. I absolutely understand. So I ask people on this podcast whether they have a philosophy. That's just really a jumping-off point, so that we can then talk about it. All this <laughs> stuff that we're already talking yeah. about. But if I don't do it at the top, I often forget to do it. Then I get about like three quarters of the way through, and I'm like, oh shit, I haven't asked them about their philosophy. So I'm going to ask you this: Do you have a philosophy? Do you have a life philosophy? Is there a guiding principle by which that you live your life?
1: Yeah, I reckon, I reckon there is. And again, I might not actually be so good at putting this into words on the spot.
0: The podcast goes for ages. Oh, great. Okay, we have so time I'm a, to The, the point really, is to ramble. Okay, yeah, great. It's we'll fine. get there. Yeah, let's say, if you're too <laughs> concise, I really run out of stuff pretty the quickly. End. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's what annoys me about like organized religion sometimes, because they just boil it down into these great little sound, sound bites. Like, do unto others and do to you the end. I'm like. Yeah, but what if, (laughs) what in this scenario, like, yeah, that oversimplification can be where everyone goes wrong. Um, so I think my philosophy has a lot to do, and this is going to sound trite, positivity about, it is about leaning towards good vibrations for yourself and others, uh, navigating all manner of things you know, turning adversity into opportunity. Um, um, and yeah, that, yeah, it is really hard to put it into words without sounding like some Instagram-tile drivel. You know, I don't really love that pop psychology kind of light pink Instagram crap kind of like, that's not my kind of woo-woo. I actually do like to really read the shit and get, I like, I like the Stoics, you know, like I like philosophy that can have a bit of a harder edge too. So when I say it's about positivity, that sounds way too Byron Bay. Because the Stoics also are like, well, fuck. Sometimes life is going to give you nothing but strife, and that is natural, and that's a part of life. And I mean, the Buddhists are great with this as well. Zen Buddhism is definitely probably the closest actual philosophy that I could or would or want to live by, but I don't. I just like to read mm. that shit.
0: And take well, it because away. I'm interested. Okay, in two things about that. One is the idea of you know that somehow that you have to identify subscribing to one particular mm. you know philosophy, like in you know, a broader yeah. philosophy, because the part of the reason I do this podcast is really to have conversations with a whole bunch of people that I know that I like, and they all have very different ways of looking at the world. That's kind of the, the mm. giant point of the podcast is That's so for beautiful people to world. really to learn that lesson. What a great so thing
1: to put out there. I don't Good want it you. to be
0: one thing or the other, but yeah. a thing that you've t- touched on already in a lot of ways, which I find very interesting is your interest in what these various people think. And, you know, what the Buddhists say, what the Stoics say, Mm. what the... You know, that even yeah, you know, even occasionally what the Instagram, you know yeah, you can, inspiration you can, can say. Because occasionally <laughs> occasionally one flips by and That's you go true. well that actually does sum yeah. me up. I'm like, Oh I'm you know, so you know close <laughs> to reposting that, but I said
1: I never would I said I never would because of my deep dark need to be taken yeah. seriously. I can't repost it. <laughs> but the
0: idea that you can be a bit of a bower bird and yeah. take little bits and pieces from other things and combine them into what you need and what works for you, I think is actually quite an interesting way to look at it. So what is yes. it, firstly, if you were going to say if you were most likely to self-identify as a Zen Buddhist, yeah, if, if you had to, yeah. like name a category, what is it about that philosophy and that approach that most appeals to you?
1: Well, lately it's been about accepting things as they are and and sort of including um, illness and death. Big Big part of what I think is attractive to me at the moment why I'm going a bit sort of spending some time with that stuff is it's been a f- – funny couple of years in my family. We've had a few tough little things. And, um, I mean, that's always going to suffer. I mean, God, compared to other people's lives, I, I live a very blessed life. Let me just put that out there. I, I think I'm a very, very blessed, very, very lucky person. And so I'm full of gratitude, but there's been a few wobbles and a few health issues and stuff. And a fair few of my, actually my mum's friends just absolutely popped off this mortal coil in quick succession. We lost like six people just died. And I was like, Fuck, we need to spend more time thinking about death, don't we? Oh, yeah, the Buddhist. Oh, yeah, that's when you get out, you know, the Tibetan book of living and dying and whatever. And and then that just kept popping up in my life as soon as I sort of started talking to talking to my mum about, about that stuff. And she's always been really interested. She put up a hilarious Facebook post <laughs> a few years ago. And it still makes me laugh because <laughs> my mum is so funny. She's she's an amazing woman, like a very wise, very wonderful, funny Kooky woman. She put up a Facebook post going, "Does anyone want to get together? Interests include like, and you know, on a regular basis. Interests include like, sex, death, dying. Like, like <laughs> conversation topics will be blah blah blah. I can't remember. And I was just like, oh, oh, I did that thing where the child, you know, winces at the parent like bluntness. No cats, just all basically like m- Morse code. da da da. da, 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 da. Mum's not a great typer." But put it out there on, on her Facebook page and got an overwhelming response and all these lovely people of a like mind were like, yeah, fuck yeah, let's come together and let's talk about this stuff and let's share. Share and um, po- probably through that sharing heal and explore things that we don't talk about in the West. And then when they come and bite you on the bum, you're fucked. You're out of action. You're like, oh, I never thought death would happen. It's like, uh, it's a guarantee. Just as we are born from the same place that we are born from, I think we go back to every damn day. So I'm just, that's one of the things that's appealing to me about um, Buddhism.
0: Okay. So lots y- of time, lots, you lots can... of talk about death. No, no, it's good. So, uh, well, one of the standard questions uh, on this podcast, we normally do it at the end, but we've jumped to it right at the start. <laughs>
1: Cause we're so in tune. Well. <laughs> is, uh,
0: what do you think happens when we die? You've touched on a little there, but I like, I uh, normally ask people to explore, explore mm. it a little, what they think. So what, what is it that you think?
1: Fuck, I really I don't know. I mean, I I I mean, none of us know. <laughs> I, no I need idea. to
0: point out that I'm not looking for an <laughs> oh, actual let answer. Me tell I'm looking you. <laughs> for what you believe to be the answer. What is it that you when you think about death think happens?
1: I think probably I I'm thinking that we probably just go back to where whatever we were. I think the energy that we embody in our in our <clears throat> human physical lifetime I don't think that gets destroyed. I don't think, isn't there some saying you can't destroy energy? It's just constantly trans, transitioning, transmuting into other sort of forms. So I guess our little light doesn't get snuffed out, but our bodies do. I, I don't personally think we probably go on to a whole nother um, adventure as ourselves. I think that's probably stops in this lifetime and our ego and our mind and our memories even probably dissipate or stay in this zone somewhat. But then that raises the whole question of people that can like talk to the dead and communicate with other realms and whatnot, which I'm completely open to, but personally don't, can't speak to it. Cause I, I'm, I love woo woo, but I don't think I have that skill myself. Mm. So yeah, I reckon, I don't know what happens. I guess I think our energy, well, my pop said something lovely once. My grandfather, pop, shout out Frank Keary. He says, well, I think we're kaput, but I think we live on through our children, through our DNA. If you have shared that DNA, and now they're kind of starting to prove that too, that there very much are sort of traits and possibly even, well, often it gets talked about through trauma, like traumatic things passed down through DNA, like intergenerational trauma and stuff like that. But intergenerational skills, like the fact that me and my brother were doing music from day one and we found out that a couple of our great-great-grandparents who we never met were um, music. Players and professors and and stu- students of music and stuff like that, you know. So you live on, in a sense, if you procreate, which I'm probably not going to do anyway. So this dies with me. I don't know. That's a long-winded answer. Well,
0: no, the, the long-winded is what we do here. So thank you. <laughs> no, but I okay. But you are also somebody who, um, you know, you, you, like there is an argument or a, a theory sometimes that you know artists, yeah, you know, people create art in a way to you know, fight against, you know, the idea of being mortal, you know, the idea that there will be something that lives on after you are gone. Your music will exist after you are gone. So whether you have that DNA, there will be, you know, there Mm. will be things that people can listen to, you know, in the future when you're gone and a part of you will still be there. And I imagine that there are probably, you know, other people who will make their own music and, you know, take a little bit of maybe what it's you did beautiful. in the same way as you took a little bit of, you know, mm-hmm. what people did before you and that will live on. So in another way, that's your musical DNA at the very least. That is you so know, nice. living on.
1: That's beautiful. That's a really nice thing for me to take away. Yeah. Just because I don't make art, art or music for that reason, but that's a really nice, that's a nice silver lining is that it will live on long, long past me. I hadn't really thought about that.
0: Uh, why do you make uh, art and music. Mm.
1: I think mainly because I love it. I, it feels good. It feels right. Right.
0: It feels good. It
1: feels really right. Mm. And um, I mean, obviously, there's all like the pop, you know, the the psychology of um, doing something well when you're young and getting, um, you know, applauded. Positive for your like, I will do that again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like a puppy dog. Mm. You're like, yes, I want the I want yeah. the approval biscuit. Yeah. And I think I might be good at this, so I'm yeah. gonna keep doing it. But um, but more deeper than that, it really does feel like a a calling. Um, I get sad when I'm not doing it. I get pent up when I'm not performing. I get funny when I'm not writing. Yeah, and songs have always just come to me. Like I listen to music like a crazy person, like pretty much first thing I do in the morning and last thing I do in the evening every day is listen to music. So making it was very like, uh, I just, yeah, I just knew that's what I wanted to do.
0: Uh, tell me about what music you listen to. Oh, because it's I'm, broad. Yes, I'm it's fascinated by this. So, is there <laughs> We're very is, broad? Well, tell me, uh, give me some examples. Give me like what a you know a day of okay, listening today. to music at, might. Yeah, okay. give me today. Let's just All look right. at today. Capturing okay,
1: the, the evil iPhone.
0: Yeah, rather than it being a, you know an example of you know your entire life, let's just take today as a microcosm and see what you've been listening to today. Because today I'd be interested in this.
1: We've got. There was Kick de Bucket, um, by the Pioneers, a reggae band, and that's a song about a race horse that a famous Jamaican racehorse that died. Long shot kick dee bucket. Long shot kick de bucket. The horse was called Long Shot and it died. So okay, Long now- Shot Kick Dee Bucket by now, what, what
0: were you looking for when you're listening to Longshot Kick the Bucket? A little
1: bit of uplift because yeah, I okay. felt a bit funky this morning. Right. I felt a bit funky. I had a little bit hungover, to be honest. Yeah. And I was like, oh, God, I don't want to do anything. <laughs> Fuck my life. I can't be fucked. So I put on a little bit of reggae. Okay. All but right. before that. Reggae in the morning. Yeah. Before that, we had da, 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 an amazing song that I pretty much am playing several several mm-hmm. times a day, every day at the moment, which is called Witchy towel by Harper's Bazaar. And they were a 70s, six, late 60s, early 70s band, Harper's Bazaar, who never really had, you know, they're not like a household name, but they had a few minor hits. But this song, Witchy Taitow, is, um, I it's in language. I think it's in Native American okay, language yep. mostly, but it's really kind of quite groovy. It almost sounds a bit like Beach Boys-esque mixed with something a little bit more. ah, ah. Uh, uh, more more zen, less jubilant. It's a bit more chill and that song's really been calling to me lately to listen to it several times a day and I didn't know what it was saying or what it was and then I Googled it because I was like, what is this damn song? You know, thanks Spotify. It just just threw this song into my life and I became obsessed. I was like, I should probably find out what this is. And apparently that's a peyote chant. So the lyrics in it was originally a song by, uh, yeah, a... A Native American guy called, um, what's it called? Jimmy something. Let me just see, song credits. Uh, Jim Pepper. Jim Pepper. And he was like an experimental jazz saxophonist who occasionally did, like, you know, a bit of language on his tracks and stuff. And really amazing sort of New York player session guy. But uh, somewhere along the line, all these other incredible. Musos that were employing him to play on their records, were like you should, you should explore your heritage more and make a bit of a, you know, a, a, an album that celebrates your American Indian heritage. Anyway, long, yeah, that song's just ruling for me right now. So maybe it means that I need to go and do some peyote. I mean, well, you've already got
0: the soundtrack, right? (laughs) I've got
1: the soundtrack. I've been chanting this peyote chant for weeks, not
0: realising. Well, you're probably having some sort of like, because chanting in itself has, you know, they, in fact, that's why a lot of these ceremonies Mm -hmm. have chants that Mm -hmm. go with them because the very act of chanting has some sort of hypnotic and, I mean, revelatory aspect to it, right? So. So you've been having kind of half a peyote trip without the peyote. I have, I You've have. been having a peyote-less peyote trip.
1: Well, I've totally been music, using music lately to sort of lift my vibration or heal or go into Okay, so that's, I guess, and... the question that uh, I was yeah. going to
0: get to with this is what 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 reason do you listen to music? I mean, probably a whole bunch of reasons, but over late, what, why are you listening to music?
1: Sometimes I listen to it to hear myself in it, like hear my experience. You know, it's sort of like doubling down on a mood. Um, it feels... It almost feels like an old friend sometimes and I've been working my butt off. I've been like traveling heaps. I've been a bit um, discombobulated. I, I I am of no fixed address at the moment. I literally don't have a home. I am not renting anywhere and I don't own anywhere. I'm staying at friends' houses. I'm staying at my parents' houses separately, one in Melbourne, one in the country in Violet Town. So And then I'm away every weekend with Killing Heidi, so I'm really gypsy to the max, but that can fray me because I am quite a, I don't know, I'm not a, not a homebody, but I'm not a big go-arounder either.
0: So you need an anchor. I
1: need an anchor. I'm just trying to ground down. I'm just trying to feel good. I'm just trying to get my energy right for the day. So that's been the main music has been the home that I'm coming home to and the the tracks that I've been finding myself playing have been very, very sweet and healing and warm and gorgeous and because I didn't always want music like that Mo- like back in the day I only ever wanted angsty music or feisty music or like rock and roll or something with that was brazen or sexy or rah, a, bit, a bit more like angular but now that my life is in a little bit of like you know it, it just there's a lot of coming and going I'm using the music to sort of soothe and ground
0: How does the music that you're listening to, how does what you take in affect what comes out? Does it? Is there a relationship between what you're listening to and then the music that you produce or are they two separate things where you could be taking in, you know, various different styles of this and it doesn't really necessarily affect what's going out the other side?
1: Um, I think it does affect me. I think I'm pretty porous. Um, I'm the kind of, I'm a kind of active listener. When I listen to something, it's very rarely just washing over me. I'm always like, oh, listen to that, that's that hi-hat or whatever, I can't help, I could could be having a conversation with someone and they would be none the wiser but I'm actually listening to the tone of that kick drum or that hi-hat absolutely at the same time. So I'm a very active listener which I think is the whole reason why I ended up doing music because I was just like, I want to have a go. So when I listen to a lot of music, I always end up saying, wonder if I could do that. Like, I wonder if I could do, I wonder if I could do country. I wonder if I could do blues. I wonder if I could pull off that folk sound. I wonder if I could do like a Nick Drake guitar record. I wonder if I could do like a slam and vinyl. So I wonder if I, the list just goes on and I want to try it all. And hopefully I will before I die.
0: Okay, so death. that's this is nice. It brings us back to what we were talking about, which is mum's I- favourite subject. The idea of yeah, and we'll get your mum on the podcast. She sounds like she'd be right in my hitting zone. I you have no you.
1: idea. I was like,
0: I'll send her a little Facebook message and say, "Do you want to have a conversation about <laughs> She's sex gonna, and death? Love you. It'll be fine. It'll You'll be, be perfect." you like
1: her favourite long lost son. You're my twin. Exactly. So, um,
0: <laughs> I mean, there was a few years in between, so <laughs> not the exact same birthday. Oh, really? We should point that out. Uh, so. Um, uh, so how much does the idea of death um, affect what it is that you do in a sort of day-to-day sense? Because you use it in a flippant way then, which is, yeah. I'd like to do all that stuff before I die. But is there, do you have that sense of like, you know, there is a limited time here on earth. So I, I do need to, you know, be doing what it is that I want to get done.
1: Yeah, I do at the moment. I, I didn't always, but yeah, everything's changing. Like po- post 30 landscape and I'm, I'm very post 30. I'm much more pre 40. Let's be honest. Um, but it's just so different. Your 20s. You're like, I've got all the time in the world. Time is just stretched out before me like a, a regal carpet. And then I don't feel like that anymore. I feel like it is time to get cracking and I'm I'm not trying to not be stressed about it. Mm. I'm trying not to let in all the fricking negative messaging that we get around aging and as a woman and like, oh, you've had your go. And I don't know, sometimes I feel like Australia is very very tricky when with over familiarity like and the opportunities kind of seem to dry up or get less and less or you get pigeonholed or whatever it's I've got a tricky relationship with with what I actually all the things I want to achieve and all the things I want to try and doing them here so my current motivation is to like work really hard and try and go into new markets where I can try more things more and I have a little more support for that.
0: You go overseas and you can experiment a little. I think so. It's like whether that's in my head or not, it just
1: feels true.
0: Well, I think probably both, right? (laughs) Yeah. It's (laughs) partly in your head and it partly is true. Mm. I think there is like, you know, I I do think in Australia we get an idea of what we expect people to be. And then if they are not that thing, you know, then we go.
1: Fingers in ears. I'm putting yeah. my fingers in my ears now, listener, like, la, 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 la.
0: Yeah, I don't want don't that. Don't
1: be that. I don't want that from you. Yeah.
0: No, we 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 get what you are. I and want we you. only want you to yeah. be that. I want thing. you
1: rock and roll girl, dreadlock girl. Yeah. Stay.
0: And I think particularly, you know, perhaps even with someone like you, who we all feel like we've known from a very young age. Like, yeah. I mean, for you, there was that thing <laughs> when you started that it, you had so much in front of you because, yeah, compared to somebody who, say, broke in the same way in their mid twenties, you were like in your teens. Mm. So... It really was, you know. You
1: you have had a lot of me. Sorry about that. I mean, like, I've been around for a long time, and I get that. Yeah,
0: like, but I, the idea yeah. that you were, I mean, so there is, and I, Claire Bowditch, who's been on this podcast, was literally, you know, uh, online talking about this very thing the other day about, you know, how that she hadn't released any new music for a long time yeah. because. She felt like people were not interested in, you know, women, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. of a certain age in Australia. Mm -hmm. And, you know, certainly the radio stations weren't going to play, you know, your new music. They're not going to. And that that would, that then prevents you from making, you know, new music. And I can understand that idea. Very recently. Right. Okay. So talk to me a little bit about that then and and where you are now in relation to that.
1: Yeah. It's been, it's been a bit, it's been a bit depressing. It's been, I mean, on the one hand, I'm having an amazing time with the Renaissance with mm-hmm. Killing Heidi. So that, that is like a, a joy and it's going off and I can't believe, like, I, just, I giggle, I giggle at the amount of success that band is I having. I mean, it's again. really, it's is. Gr- it's really because you never weird. quite
0: know, do you? Because no! you're like, I hope no! that people will, will want to come out <laughs> and enjoy this again, worst. but you don't, yeah. you don't know.
1: I thought we might do a gig at yeah. the corner or something yeah. like that. Like a 500 yeah. seater or something. It's yeah. like, I didn't think we'd
0: have. Yeah. A, a night. A night in the Gershwin room at the sb Yeah, not, A night. Not every, not, not every second week.
1: <laughs> selling them out like every second week and like selling more merch and getting yeah. in new shipments of vinyl. It's like, what the hell? This business is booming. What the. So yeah, I didn't realize how hmm. much people liked that band or missed that band. And, and it's, we're even getting new fans. There are 20, 25 year olds in our crowds going, love Killing honey. like, but how the fuck? You're too young. How yeah. do you even know about this band? So. I won't look a gift horse in the mouth. I'll just accept that and say that that is good. But on a solo career level, which I've been doing for many years as well, it has been hard. It's been really hard. There's been a lot of um, closed doors and windows at at radio and stuff like that. Like, no, thank you. No, thank you. Not only are you over 30, but you're making music that we don't like. like. Mm. (laughs) So there isn't really much of an adult contemporary market in Australia at all. In the States, for example, and of course, you know, all the different BBC, this and BBC, that's... um, Overseas, there are record, um, sorry, there are radio stations that just play music for adults that like music.
0: So Uh, what is the sort of music that excites you to make now then?
1: Um, I guess it's kind of adult kooky pop. It's, it's still pretty poppy. Like I'm not, I'm not like the person who wants a 20 minute jazz flute solo. Like, um, it's not up its own ass. I think it's quite accessible music, but it's just not like accessible to the point of like pop banger. It's not, you know, shining like a diamond. It's like, yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it's lyrical based, it's story based and it's personal. And sometimes it's a little bit folky. Sometimes it's quite country. I love country, but you know, I've also done a pretty heavy, heavy, my first solo record was actually much more contemporary, much more sort of synthy, spiky rock and roll. It it was, it was easy to see how that was connected to the end of Killing Heidi or whatever. But even that just went pew, pew and kind of sank without a trace. So then I was like, fuck it, I'll just do exactly what I want then and forget about the modern pop production and just make weird folk music. But now I want to do that overseas.
0: So what is the freedom of doing it somewhere where people don't come with the preconceptions? Like what is it that, what is it that people think you are still that you're, you're not? And what is it that you want to be able to be free to be, I guess?
1: God, so that's a good question. I uh, do young? <laughs> Maybe people still <laughs> want me to be fucking young. It's like, no, nah, man, I'm 37. Like, I'm not going to be excited about the same things and I'm not going to write about... Well, obviously, I was writing about teen angst a lot when I was a teenager and those songs are what I'm best known for and I do really like those songs. But there's all sorts of other stories and there's all sorts of other twists and bends and that life takes you on. I, I don't know. I think it's tempo as well. Like, I, I just... My songs aren't as fast anymore. Like they are more mature pace. It's it's even just in the structure of the songs and the kind of chords you choose. You know, they're a bit more sophisticated. Maybe I would hope.
0: <laughs> okay, so take me back then. I want to. You know, I mean, people are interested in this story, <laughs> and I I am interested <laughs> in this story, of course. Uh, uh, but how old are you when Killing Heidi just formed as a band? Like you know, as in like you and Jesse. How old are you guys at this stage when you first start sort of, you know, playing music uh-huh. together and you call it Killing heighty?
1: Um, 13. 13. So yeah, literally probably a, a young 13 because it was definitely, I turned 13, In year seven, like I was one of those Mm -hmm. like 12 year old year sevens for a while. So, and I think we were already doing it then. So maybe 12, 13, we started gigging around and making little posters and it was Killing Heidi, even though it was an acoustic folk duo and we had like two songs. We had this song Kettle and this other song called Morning, um, which both, I think, I think I sort of started those songs on guitar. One was co-written with a friend and Jesse that was Kettle. And the other one, Morning, was just by me, two literally two chords. No, nothing. I didn't know any others. So right. that's what we sort of started with, a really, really basic sort of acoustic guitar folk sound. It was dark and sort of moody because we were listening to a lot of Smashing Pumpkins, a lot of Nirvana Unplugged, you know, those MTV Unplugged sessions that yeah. everyone was just obsessed with. And that definitely influenced us. So it's been a long time, yeah. And then by 14, 15 no, yeah, 13, 14, 15, we had been discovered by that, yeah, national radio competition unearthed and people were sniffing around and we had to start writing more in earnest. And, yeah, most of that first album Reflector was written between when I was 13 to 15.
0: I mean, that's really quite a stunning story, really, in retrospect. Do you ever look back on that and, and have an understanding that, you know, apart from like you know, Hanson, <laughs> uh, Billy Eilish, uh, Billy Eilish. Yeah. yeah, I guess that's probably a good modern day it's, example, it's right? Been,
1: it's been actually tripping me out a bit because Billy Eilish works with her, her redheaded brother, mm. Phineas. True. And I had the redheaded brother Jesse also with the win. And back then, we have got to remember the names Ella and Jesse were weird names. Every second kid, little girl in the mall was not called Ella. Like they are now. It was kind of like, what's that about? And Jesse was, yeah, even more unusual, probably. And he had long, flowing red hair. And I just look at Billie Eilish and her brother Phineas scooping all those Grammys, writing the songs in their bedroom side by side at the exact same age that Jess and I were when we were doing, you know, the baby version of that is scooping the arias and having had written these songs up in our country. I mean, I think, I even think they're homeschooled by their parents and their parents are teachers. Like our parents are teachers our house was full of books and full of instruments and we were encouraged to do all that shit at home. There's just so many parallels. Anyway, if you're listening, Billie Eilish, I love you. We are like spirit sisters. And uh, shes I think she's way more talented and gorgeous, but I just think she's amazing.
0: Well, uh, the, and I'm not presuming that you are going to give her advice, by the way, but I'm just saying if you could, you yeah, know, I mean, you've been through this, right? Mm. You, you, like you said, it's a different scale, but it's a similar story. Mm. Like what, what, What's the one bit of advice that you would give to somebody who's going through something that you yourself went through? You know?
1: Well, you know what? The weird thing is, is if I, if I can be so bold, I kind of want to flip that. I feel like I'm taking advice from, from Billie Eilish. Oh, well, yeah, tell me that because, then, please. Because the way she's holding herself and the way she seems and how secure in herself she appears in interviews and like how she's talking about the next phase of her music and how she already changed it from her first single to her current stuff, she is so in control. Now, I was not. I was like, oh, boy, gee, do you think I got this great big opportunity? Holy shit. Like, I don't want to fuck it up and I'm just just so grateful. And so the advice I want to give to my young self was like, stop being such a goddamn people pleaser. You do deserve this. This isn't just like, <gasps> you know, like, like the, just sometimes I get a bit pissed off about like the little, the country mouse in me was like, holy shit. Like, it was a bit beyond my wildest dreams and therefore I was too... I didn't give myself enough credit for A, what was happening and B, the balls to control it and say like, oh, no, I don't really think we should release that single or I want to dress like this or I want to do that. Whereas Billy seems to be really fully in the driver's seat. So want to go back to little Ella and say,
0: get in the driver's seat, bitch. <laughs> because what you're saying is completely understandable, right? Like you're you're more a normal kid to
1: be like me, yeah. like to be like, oh Jesus Christ!
0: Right. you're a kid from the country, <laughs> yeah. tiny little kid from the country, yeah. and suddenly, like you hey. know, you know, you have the most listened to song in the your country. You're winning all these awards, you know, blah blah blah. It's perfectly natural, I imagine, to you know be grateful for the opportunity and not want to do anything to fuck it up. Yeah. And to also, if there are older people telling you release this mm-hmm. song, dress this way, th- mm-hmm. you're like, well, these people work in the industry; mm-hmm. they've got all this experience. Mm-hmm. Who am I? A thirteen-year-old girl, you know, whatever a fifteen-year-old girl, to you say, no, I don't think that that is right. That's right. Now,
1: but that, who am I? You would hope that
0: in the future, what the lesson that really needs to be learnt there is not that you should be critical to yourself, but that the industry needs to be a little bit better at understanding that you are the artist and that you you deserve more agency in making those decisions rather mm-hmm. than them thinking that they know better than you just because mm. they're some old, you know, fat mm. A&R, A&R man whatever. And they want to put their
1: stamp on it. You know, yeah. everyone wants to put their stamp on stuff, but maybe maybe it just is better now. Maybe Billy is, a, is showing me that things have improved and, you know, like, and we didn't, I mean- some I gotta say, some of the time they were right. Some of the, some of the times, right. they're not this song, dressed this way. Yeah. That, some of that shit was correct, mm. and I was I'm glad I listened. Yeah, there's no fourteen
0: different. year old who knows everything.
1: No, oh god, oh god. I mean, it's actually terrifying to think what I would have done if I had full
0: control Left to your own oh, devices. Ooh, maybe
1: I'm gonna take this whole little twenty minute rant back. <laughs> uh,
0: what is there? Like, I mean, if you had do overs though, is there is there moments from that? Time where you were like, I just if I had that time again, I would definitely do this one thing differently or oh, this yeah, one Oh yeah, fuck yeah.
1: Um, too rocky. I, I feel mm. like if we're talking music, the whole thing's got way too rocky, too too masculine, too too teenage boy, male driven, young man driven. The sound got very ah, and I just. I don't often listen to that kind of music. So the kind of music that I listen to is, yeah, more delicate. And, you know, I do love to rock out, but it's rocky. The, the rockier end of the spectrum for me is divinals and pretenders, and that's still pretty fucking jangly. I like jangle. I don't like... I never liked that new metal guitar sound. I still think it's it's ridiculous and it's... It was cringeworthy when it happened and now it's like, it's like embarrassing. You know the sound I mean of the 90s? I and do. The, like that doesn't sound cool. That doesn't have Led Zeppelin sounds so much better than that. The fucking Beatles sound heavier than that because they didn't quadruple, million, triple, dipple, dipple track those guitars. It was just excess. So sonic excess is my regret. Um, I would do that over if I could.
0: What was it like being a a young woman and not just a young woman, but like a, you know, incredibly beautiful and talented young woman, oh, you know, but, but, but yes, but you were <laughs> and, but you're suddenly in a very adult world and, you know, I mean, look, you know, I mean, we all read what's going on in the newspapers. Mm. We all read, we all understand what the world is like. Mm. Right. So I'm not asking you to you know, specifically talk about anything that you don't want to talk about, but I can also imagine that, there must have been at least some objectification of who you were and that perhaps, you know, you were thrown into some experiences that, you know, you were younger than, you know, mm-hmm. you because yeah. on stage you're so grown up, That's right. I guess is their point. You know, yeah. People see you as being a grown totally. up person because you're, you know, playing these festivals yeah. with all these grown ups and you're doing what they're doing. So you suddenly have this, hall pass to being a grown-up and being in very grown-up situations and particularly rock and roll, you know, some very adult yeah. situations. What yeah. was that like?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a really, it's something that I think I thought about a lot as I was getting older and a few years ago. I was like, wow, I think, I, I think I'm really grateful that I have come through that journey pretty unscathed. You know, I I mean, there is some stuff that goes down. Shit. Lily Allen's biography is really, whoa. She, she's been through some tough stuff with like, you know, actual assaults and stuff like that. And, you know, almost like date rapey kind of crazy things. But yeah, that's all out there. That's all incredibly real. And, um, and the times were different too. Like they were looser times. Yes. All this predatory stuff is coming to light now, but I don't even think it was even seen as a problem back then. It was kind of like, ah, you know, pull your socks up and slap you on the button, and carry on, you know, chin up and all sorts of st- weird stuff was happening. But um, I've been very, very lucky. I've never, I had my brother there and I reckon that is so um, key too white. People would never, like, even flirt with me or ask me out because my bl- bloody brother was there cock-blocking me the whole time. Like, in fact, it's a little too far the other way, Will. A little too far the other way. I was like, what's yeah.
0: wrong with me? They yeah, could have done with I'm a young, little of I'm young, I'm
1: pretty, like, no one fucking wants to know about it. Like So, yeah, I always had boyfriends who had nothing to do with music and were, like, miles away and went to bed and had a boring time. Nah, not exactly, but um, I could, there were some instances where, like, I do remember a couple of record company execs that were, totally like talking to my boobs and that that happens all the time and you know I do I do have prominent boobs I understand I look at boobs I get it that doesn't really freak me out but in this one one thing I remember was this guy was like oh I think we're trying to get signed by them or something at the mm-hmm. time we've been with every bloody record company in this country and, and a fair few overseas as well so you know you're always coming and going from different record companies meeting a whole new batch of assholes nah, nah, just joking just joking people that yeah. work in the music industry and one time the guy was like oh he said something like, "Oh, like don't think. Nah, we're not going to sign you, level. Like it's it's pretty. It's not going to work out this time. Well, oh, don't worry. Like you won't have any problem. Like looking the way you look. It's. I was like, what? And and he and he was literally like staring at my tits as he said it. And it was right after a gig. I'd just gotten off stage and sung my heart out. And I was like. What so in that moment of wanting to be valued as a singer, as an, an artist, as a writer, as a performer, who just shared something with everybody, and he literally looked at me square in the tits and said, you'll be right, look the way you look. I was like, what, look in the way, what, what do I look like? I'm not try. I've never even tried to hyper myself either, so that's a weird thing I get, is when some people see me as like this quite vixen-y, you know, rock and roll, sassy, yeah, character. And I don't see myself like that. I do, I, you know, I realize I'm here in this womanly form, but it's not something I overly try and highlight. When I get dressed up and when when I wear tight shit, it's because I'm a fucking like jester. I'm there to entertain. Like that's what all rock front people do. They wear crazy shit and often it's tight and it, or it's big and it's exaggerated. And that's as far as it goes to me. It's drama. It's not so you'll want to fuck me. It's no. like, use your imaginations, guys. It's actually just about entertainment, creating a cool shape on stage. Anyway,
0: blah, yeah. blah, blah. When Freddie Mercury was wearing that outfit, yeah. it wasn't so you could see his boobs. Or
1: his,
0: his Yeah,
1: I mean, think of I all I mean, it the... was,
0: but it wasn't. It you know, is it was, and it it's a performance. Yeah. It's a yeah. performance. Yeah. It's, it's
1: like a, a pumped up version of what is there.
0: Uh, so I imagine also, though, that there might've been another side, which is, I bet you had a lot of teenage girls- completely relate to Mm. what it is you were saying. I bet you were very, I bet you were very important, not just probably Mm. for teenage girls, but I imagine specifically for teenage girls and a certain type of teenage girl who felt like, you know, their voice or their look or their identity wasn't being represented in music. And then suddenly you come along and you have you know, some of that. So I imagine that was also going on at the same time.
1: That was way more important to yeah. me. I mean, I'm I'm so lucky because I think the focus of those days for me was definitely about that connection of um, being a, I don't know, um, I guess opposed to girls, not the right, but like being a, a lightning rod or whatever for those people who felt a little bit on the outer, felt a little bit on the fringes of whether it was their scene or their high school or pop culture at the time. We had just had Brittany, We had Christina. We had... Paris and Nicole, like uh, females were all super straight and blonde hair with pink highlights, if anything, tiny little skirts and, and being very like, nah, like owning that almost raunch culture, the early days of raunch culture and bimboism or whatever. And here I was with very crooked, very, very fucked up crooked teeth. Um, no makeup on my actual face, you know, or like lipstick on my eyes or whatever, but I never wore foundation. So my pimples could like shine through or whatever. And I think that was really important for some young people at the time, girls and guys and, you know, all, it it makes me so happy. Will, like, it's something I, I'll never get over is that if I can have been of assistance to anyone like that, that is always what I wanted. That is the name Killing Heidi. Like that is what it means. The, the story behind that title for the band is all about killing your idea of perfection, Heidi being this unattainable, sorry, blondes, I know I'm ragging on the blondes, but unattainable blonde, perfect princess who um is such a goody two shoes and she pushes her grandfather up the Alps in his wheelchair and then bakes a pie at the end of the day. It's like, I am not that. I don't always have my shit together. And I certainly don't have time to go and braid my hair and, you know, then bake a cake and push my grandpa up, up the hill like I'm just a fucking human. I'm just a kid. And women and young girls especially, I think, feel so much pressure to be so many different things, whether it's hot or skinny or smart or high achieving or whatever it is in your family or your culture. It's a pressure cooker of a time. And I really wanted Killing Heidi to offer uh, a more sort of earthy, relaxed, accepting, like, let your freak flag fly. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not have it all worked out and not be fucking perfect and airbrushed all the time.
0: So th- there's a period of time where Killing Heidi are, you know, the biggest thing going around, basically. Who knew?
1: I mean, like, that's so weird that that message connected like that.
0: I know. But it it, it did. Mm. It was the time and the place and, and for a whole bunch of reasons and, you know, um, a lot of good songs but one, you know, iconically great song. Thank you know, like, I mean, but that's the truth yeah. of it. Like, you know, really, like, I, I, I was saying this the other day about, Uh, about Tones and I, about Dance Monkey. I said, it's just one of those songs that's a great song, will always be a great song. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't have mattered what era Mm -hmm. it was released in. That It's a good song. Totally. You know. It's just a great song, right? Yeah. And yeah, you know, whether you like it or not, like whether it's no, your no, taste it, or not, it's just a great song. I totally agree with song, what you're saying. You know, like, There's a
1: timeless thing in the melody. Mm. There's a timeless thing in the earworminess of it. And also I think it's got something to do with a good dose of naivety. Yeah. Sometimes like, well, I think we're talking mm. about We right? Are Right and Dance Mucky. they both got a bit of a naive. Like the lyrics are not complicated in either of those songs. It's got one sort of point which it drives home in both of those songs. And you know what song it is the second it starts. Like, it's very easily identifiable. And it also didn't really sound like anything that came before it. Right. Well, yeah. So I am proud of that. And I think it's made me think a lot about naivety in songwriting and how powerful that is and how the fuck do you ever recapture that? I don't know. <laughs> well,
0: is there a part of it that is, like, as you said, exploring when you're not trying to do the same thing? You know, like that yeah. that thirst to explore new genres yes. or new styles. Yes. Perhaps... Oh you know, has that element of I can come into this a little naively yeah. uh-huh. and maybe recapture some of I know, might that.
1: stumble. I think that the more new genres I try and the more new kind of writing techniques and even co-writes and weird situations I put myself in, I entered fucking Eurovision last year for God's sake. Like that's something I never thought I'd do. You're being a serious singer-songwriter or whatever and then I'm doing a pop song for Eurovision because if you keep tripping yourself up, keep throwing yourself into new um, arenas, you might just have that weird, uh, naive lucky, you know, why, why are children's paintings so fucking good? You know, like kids, when they do a little painting or whatever, it's been studied before. Like they're just so good. Like some, there's a certain point where like little kids' paintings are just simple enough to be amazing, amazing. Bold enough and like weird and creative enough to have the sun having like legs, hairy legs or whatever, but they just look amazing. And I feel like songwriting has a bit of that too. Like when you don't know all the rules, you're just going for it with the boldest of colors and and very much from a feeling place. You can get magic in songwriting then. I think a lot of great songs probably tick that box.
0: Where does a song start for you?
1: I sort of hear it like I'm listening to the radio. I often hear it as though it's playing outside my head. And then I have to go. Oh, oh, oh! Get out the evil iPhone and <laughs> quickly voice record what I heard, or uh, write down in notes the lyrics that I heard. And then I tease it out from there. If it's if you're really lucky, you're near a guitar, or you can you're in the mood, and the whole thing comes really easily. But that is fucking rare. Like usually, it's just a snippet. And then I go, all right, what's the rest of this damn snippet? And then I have to sit down and work.
0: Um, what do you most admire in other? So, songwriters like is there you know people that you point to and go I love the way that this person does this or the way that this person does this
1: oh god yeah it's like it's so lame but the greats are the greats for a reason like you know Bob Dylan and stuff like that he just what I love about Dylan stuff he just seems so like a bottomless pit like I when I listen to him and when I look at his body of work and even his you know I just got this um three CD set of everything he ever did with Johnny Cash. And it's Johnny Cash and Dylan and they're talking all the way through it. It's all of their demos. It's bootlegs. It's like, it's real hardcore fan shit because people are like, what? They keep stopping and starting right. the song. This is annoying. But I'm like, oh, oh I'm geeking out on it so hard because Johnny Cash is teaching Dylan shit. And Dylan is teaching Johnny Cash shit. Um, and then they're covering each other's songs and you can hear Dylan learning, stripping everything there is to know about what makes Johnny Cash good and then boom, 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 putting it straight into John Wesley Harding into like his, or um, Nashville Skyline, straight into his next recordings. I don't know if that's actually timeline correct, but that's, I can sort of hear the influence in those records. Um, what was that question again? Was oh, well,
0: I mean, uh, what, what you admire in other like oh. songwriters, but maybe I'll reframe it. Um, if you, uh, were going to live Groundhog Day, have you ever seen Groundhog Day, the movie yeah, Groundhog Day? I don't know if I've
1: ever watched the whole thing, but okay. I know I get the So gist, the series,
0: yeah. the guy's living the same day over and over again. He has to resolve something in it, but one of the subplots is he, that Bill Murray learns how to play piano because he's got all this time, mm-hmm. you know, living the same day over and over. So he starts taking piano lessons. <laughs> so by the end of it, he can play, you know, brilliant piano because he's had, you know, every day. If you had a Groundhog Day, what skill is it? What thing that would you like to learn how to do? You know, you've got a 1,000 days or 10,000 days living the same day over and over. You know, what are you learning how to do in that time?
1: There are so many things that I wish I was disciplined enough to get really good at. And I mean... They do all focus around the creative arts. It's all about like, I would love to write a book, but I can't sit still. Da, 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 da. I have, I, and, you know, when you sit down to write a book, everything comes up. You're like, no, imposter syndrome. I I couldn't. I simply couldn't. And all that stuff. I was actually talking to my my life coach at Sheridan about that yesterday. I've got a woo-woo sort of, um. she's actually a psychologist, but she does a bit of crazy, awesome woo-woo life coaching as well. And she's trying to write a book right now. And I was like, and that brought that up for me again. I was like, fuck. When I was a little kid and you asked me what I wanted to be, I said writer. I always said writer, way, way before singer or media person or whatever. So, I don't know, maybe write a book. What's my, a,
0: what would you write?
1: Well, that's the thing. When I do think about what, what it is that I want to write, the format really eludes me because I love poetry, but I know how bad poetry can be. Like bad poetry is the worst thing in the world and good poetry
0: is the best
1: thing in the world. Mm.
0: But isn't that part of the joy of it? It's a high risk, high reward. It's very
1: high risk. I just don't know if I'm up (laughs) to the challenge. I don't know if many people are.
0: You don't want to write a book of bad poems? No. John Law's I mean, style. that's
1: what my mom says. That's what lyrics are without mm. music. She's like, "Oh, yeah. it's funny how if you take the music away, lyrics are just really like bad poetry." And I was like, "Thanks, <laughs> bitch!" Like, yeah, and you know what? You're right. <laughs> What's worse you is you're what? right. You're Poems so
0: right. are just like songs without music, mm-hmm. mate. So you know, you could reverse that. <laughs> Thank you. Uh So uh okay, we well, tell. I uh, uh, write a book. Yes, that could be one of the mm-hmm. things you okay. do. You are a writer. I mean, of course, you're a professional yeah. writer already. So like it it. it I can imagine that. But I I actually want to uh, now think about the life coach because uh, what is it that you think that you need from a life coach? Why have you decided that, yeah, having someone in your life to give you some advice, help you make decisions, these sort of things, what what was it that made you think, you know what, I should get some external help for this?
1: I'm all about external help. I love asking for help. I think the more you can let yourself off the hook in life and ask for help and, and throw it out to the brain's trust, like the better. And and that is, gets back to, I think one of my life philosophies is don't be, don't be an island. Don't be contained. Like let people love you, let people help you and help and love others. Like, I just feel like this life is an opportunity for exchange and people just get so caught up in trying to do it all themselves and to be perfect because someone somewhere along the line told us we all had to be, whether it was our fathers or religion or something or just fucking ads on TV. No, shit's hard sometimes or like, or sometimes we just don't have the answers to, we don't all have every skill in every area. Like I can't fucking cook, but I love good food. So I always have partners that can cook really, really well. Or I go out and eat delicious food at a restaurant. I am probably never going to be a great cook. No one in my family is actually Jesse is, but I come from a long line of very average cooks, big whoop. Go get someone else to do that that's wicked at that. So when I come up against something that I can't do very well or if I'm at a block, I get help for that. And I just, I think that's a good trait. It's an incredibly good trait. I'm proud of that. In
0: fact, that's a trait that if I could steal a skill from you, I wish that I was better at asking other people for help. because get into it. Intellectual reasoning behind what you've just said, I absolutely respond to, which Mm. is, of course, like I mean in the same way as you can love music and not want to play music. I love music, mm. but I yeah. don't play a musical instrument. Yeah. sometimes you need somebody to stand in the audience and hold up their lighter and enjoy the music and <laughs> it's yes, the we same do with need you it's but it's the same with like food you can love food without wanting to cook food yeah. you know sometimes the person who cooks the food doesn't even love eating the food exactly. you know like there are two parts to that process. They don't need to be all encompassing. Totally.
1: I don't want to spend seven years becoming a psychologist. I'll just go to one, yeah. thanks. Right. You know, I'll just <laughs> g- fucking go to one and like a good one and be like, thank you for that uh, that method. And uh, it, frankly, this this yeah. lady, she is an amazing mm. psychologist. But with me, we actually do more. Like I just wanted to get out of the way of myself. I think I've been in in the way of myself in a few weird aspects like around sort of career and creativity, believe it or not, even that's like what we've talked about the whole time, but I'm like, it could always be better. And especially with making that leap overseas, like incredible things have happened since I've been paying someone to tell me what I already know, (laughs) you know, just telling me to fucking book those tickets or apply for that showcase. Uh, It might sound silly to some people that I have to pay someone to tell me, just do it. Will you, she basically asks me one really simple question. Will you regret not doing this on your deathbed? And I say, Yes. Yes, I will be sad. I will go, if only I coulda, woulda, shoulda. And if that comes up, I just do the thing. And my life has gone whoop. Like it has just been amazing. I already had a very good life. I was already a happy person. And now shit is just going off. And the, don't even get me started on manifesta- manifestation. The fact that you said your birthday is January the 31st, the second I sat down in the seat. I was like, of course it is. Of course it is is things like that. My woo-woo tribe. It's just uncanny, the stuff that's happening. And some people call it the vortex. Some people call it being in the flow and some people just call it absolute coincidence and don't believe in any of that shit. But, but I do. And the more I sort of embrace this work with her, the more it just keeps happening every day.
0: It feels to me like maybe there's a little period in between that we're not talking about that like feels like, you know, we've spoken about, um, you know, uh, killing Heidi and everything that happened there. And we're speaking about this kind of new, you know, this phase mm. of your life where it does feel like the you a lot of ascension. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, that there is a great forward momentum and that you, yeah. you have that sort of excitement around it yourself. And you feel like you've got these things in place and the people to tell you the right things. And yeah. <laughs> you're starting to take that advice, but it feels like maybe there's a period in between those, those two mm. things. Can tw- we Just a
1: little 20 year yeah. period. Can we
0: explore that a little bit yeah, more? Yeah. You
1: there? mean from like, 20 to th- 34, So what's almost.
0: that? What's 20 to 34?
1: Ooh. Wandering around, trying to get shit off the ground, like kind of trying to figure stuff out. Um, getting willfully distracted in relationship. Um, sir, relationship, sir. Um, learning about that. You know, a couple of, couple of goes around with the big, oh, maybe this is the the way forward and maybe I'm all about this and oh, maybe I'm not all about this. So gee, it's hard to boil it down.
0: You don't need to. I just am curious about, maybe uh, just not necessarily a blow by blow, you know. Yeah. I think
1: fundamentally a long, slow extraction from the me that I used to be. And I I spoke a little bit about about the people pleasing and, 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 and also sort of um, making sure I had a constant range of Buffers between maybe like, and I hate to say can often be relationships, um, romantic entanglements, and stuff where I'm just like, ah, oh, actually distracting myself from fucking manning up or womanning up and stepping up and doing what I really want to do, which is what I'm doing now, which is scary and amazing and but has made me so happy. And yeah. what's the
0: what was the fear about doing those things? What was the fear that was holding you back from? taking that risk. And I don't ask in a judgmental way because I Mm -hmm. I myself recognize what you're saying Mm -hmm. is that Mm -hmm. idea of going, you know, what if I made Mm -hmm. what I really want to make and nobody likes it? Or what if I made what I really want to make and I'm terrible at it? Like, or any of those things. Or what if
1: it actually goes off again and Mm. fear of success? This is a weird one. Cause I had that really, I only uh, maybe two years ago spoke to someone, another amazing psychologist who said like, you know what, maybe, maybe you were a little bit scarred by your success. Have you ever thought that that was quite scary? Have you ever thought that there's a little bit of trauma in how full on things were for you when you became overnight the fucking biggest thing in the country? And I was like, no, I haven't let myself think that because that would be ungrateful and that would be like, you know, you don't look that gift horse in the mouth and you don't shit on your success or whatever. And I was like, but actually maybe I have been a bit afraid of being the full amazing like shining on 11 kind of version of myself because what if it happens again and what if I am a bit scared of that because it comes along and it just poof, it just changes everything and it blows up your life and and then you have to become this person that is put up on some pedestal and I think I mean you you have known me for a long time on and off or whatever I think I like to think of myself as a very approachable person, a very like put others kind of first person. And in the conversation, I'm always like trying to get the person who's not talking to talk. Maybe I've gone a bit too far in that direction and I've actually kind of tried to keep myself down a little bit and be a bit smaller, be a bit more everyman, be a bit more regular chick and not intimidating. And, oh, yeah, no, I was in that successful band once. Doesn't matter. No. How about you? What are you about? Tell me your story. It's all about you, you, you. So that's what I'm sort of uncovering at the moment is like, maybe I went a bit too far in that direction in that 10-year I I could,
0: I could see that. Mm. I, I definitely could see that. I, I, I you A few times when we've been speaking today, there's been, and you, you actually say it, like you say it out loud. And I think it's a really interesting area and probably something that, you know, if you're talking to psychologists you, that you explore. But the idea that when you have been lucky enough to be successful, then sometimes you diminish your real fears and pains and complaints and all these sort of things, because you're like, well, how can I, how can I process the idea that this might've been traumatic for me? Because what I really should be is incredibly grateful for this opportunity, but it doesn't mean that shit things stop happening in your life. It doesn't mean that somehow you're protected from, or that you're Mm -hmm. not just a, a human being who's allowed to mm-hmm. feel jealous or grumpy or stressed, stressed right, yeah. or overwhelmed mm-hmm. or, you know, sad or, yeah. you know, all these, all, all these things. And I've, I, i it has been a constant theme in this conversation where you've diminished, you know, like you've a, a few times said, mm-hmm. but you know, but, but I'm yeah, really but I'm very lucky, lucky and, and I'm, I'm blessed. Really good,
1: and, oh my God, I'm still doing I mean, it. do
0: you do that a lot still? Do you yes.
1: Think? I, yes. I'm becoming aware of it. I, I just don't think it's the crux of who I am anymore. And I think in that, Lost weekend of my of my twenties or whatever, I was still working really hard and I was still trying to achieve things and stuff. But I think it was two steps forward, two steps back, because I think there was that underlying oh, don't want to don't want to put my neck out too far again. And you know, tall poppy syndrome is fucking real too. Because as you know, yes, Killing Heidi were really really big and successful for a minute, but then the backlash was insane. Like I remember my good friend Phil Jamison or somebody was saying on saying on some radio counter goes, I fucking hope Killing Heidi don't fucking come number one in the Hottest 100 again. I'll spew or something like that. And it was like an open joke how how disliked the band were after a certain point, you know, over Killing Heidi is what they were calling. So I think the backlash and people becoming over oversaturated with me and my image and my freaking face and like me having to be that person that was the real person behind that image and that face and that music and that sound that was, it really was everywhere for a minute too much, too
0: much, too much. And particularly because, you know, at that time, there's not, you know, 500 women, you know, doing the same thing that you're doing. Like, I mean, I'm sure there was the exact same, you know, I remember, you know, like it, it doesn't matter who the band was, whatever, you know, if it was Powderfinger winning the hottest 100 every yeah. year, there was people going fucking Powderfinger, right? Yeah. But there's five of them and there's a whole bunch of blokes out, mm-hmm. out the front of rock bands. So there's just a little bit more, you don't have that mm. specifically same, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, I don't think Daniel Johns was probably getting the same sort of no. backlash that and you I, were getting. I, Although there was some even he, around Silverchair and stuff did. like that I as think well. he really, yeah.
1: really gets it. And I yeah. don't know, how, I don't know Daniel very well at all, but. I do look at him and go, oh, yeah, that's someone who I can really gets what it's like yeah. to. And especially if you are a bit like um, unusual. But another reason it didn't really happen for Powderfinger is because they just wore like jeans and yeah. t shirts. Like, yeah. who can, who can you, how can it's you really true. tease a band <laughs> of middle aged white men in yeah. jeans and t shirts? You yeah. can tease a freaking young chick with her belly out and her weird hair, which we, are, we now know is very yeah. culturally inappropriate. And I apologize for that. But uh, yeah. we didn't know didn't better. Our... We didn't know better back then. Yes, yeah, so. I mean you're
0: listening to a lot of reggae music now. <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
1: Not all the time. <laughs> actually, I actually don't. I actually don't. It was an anomaly. <laughs> all right, I do listen to.
0: Okay, Love so um, I do you feel like you missed out on uh, anything about actually just being a teenager, being successful as a teenager?
1: Not really. No. I, I I I wouldn't change it like I don't think I missed out on much because the one thing that has actually you know I think through we've just touched on a bit of the tricky stuff like you know yes there is it's not all been beer and skittles but the great bit was that I totally stayed in touch with my my friends throughout all of it and I'm still best friends with my best friends that I was friends with before killing Heidi so I've got a beautiful thread running through of normalcy and and normal teenage stuff and Well, you know, maybe I wasn't that normal. I did get to move out of home quite young into this fucking pretty nice, like a mansion house and just moved all my friends in there. So I had all my five or six best girlfriends and guy friends and boyfriends at the time living with me in Elstonwick in this crazy rambling mansion. We used to have parties every night and stuff. But so my teenage years might have been a bit more colourful than most, but they were definitely teenage years.
0: Okay. Well, that's good. I'm excited to hear that. I'm I'm, I'm glad about that. And I'm still
1: quite immature. I still feel like I, I, I can easily access... That. that part of Well, because I've still got the same mates and stuff. Mm. Like, I made a whole ton of other friends. I make yeah. new friends all the time. But I'm the kind of person that can go and hang out with those three or four particular girlfriends and just start piercing ourselves and being stupid and being very in touch with our, we're quite in touch with our silly teenage selves still.
0: What's your best strength as a friend?
1: Ooh, don't tell me. I'm a terrible vol. I know what my weakness is. I, oh,
0: I was going to ask you next, so let's start uh, with that then. You're okay. te- terrible so, with a secret. Yeah, is that what you're saying? saying oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Okay.
1: The vault, I ain't. Yeah. I am.
0: And what is that, by the way? Is it just that you forget that you were told it yeah. in confidence I or is it that you were excited about? Thank you. Okay. It's
1: innocent. I, I forget. I've got yeah. the worst memory and I, oh, I also get very excited and things just pop yeah. out when I'm excited. And my friends say that I can actually white lie quite a lot because... But I don't even know I'm doing it. I exaggerate without right. realizing. I'm like, oh, do you remember when that happened and thing was there and yeah. he jumped off the thing? It was this. They're like, no, that never wow. happened. You, you're lying. And I'm like, am I? Am I lying? I mean, I think if I was in, like, my, in yeah. my mind, it's real. Like, yeah, if
0: you're on a lie detector, you'd pass it because you yes, believe it's thanks true. Thanks, Will. Yeah. Yes, thanks. <laughs> but
1: I think I think I am a good friend. I have my friendships are incredibly precious to me incredibly precious, I'm not the best. Like sometimes I can go quiet, which is an Aquarian thing. I don't know if you ever do this, you, you ghost and you just go. Oh, no, I'm
0: terrible. That's like, I mean, that I would disappear. be my, I am actually, I think I'm a, a good friend, but I'm a terrible friend. Like as in like, I, think I am a very, very, like you can. When you I'm with can, you, I am with yeah. you. And I, I genuinely believe that any of my friends probably know that whatever shit went down, that I could be the person that they would call and I would, you know, totally. be there and sort it out. Absolutely. but I, am I also the per- same person who wouldn't talk to my best friend for three weeks just because other shit was going on? Yeah, absolutely. I'm oh my also God, that we're person. The same yeah. person we're the same <laughs> person, my poor
1: my poor best friend she does have a hard time with mm-hmm. me sometimes because I'll go silent right when she needs me or whatever. but yeah, I think I'm incredibly non-judgmental. You can tell me anything, and I nothing much can freak me out like I you can do some weird shit. And I'll be like, yeah, cool. I understand. You can tell me like, I will not judge. And I will talk to you about it in a very calm, accepting manner. And I love being that person for my friends. Uh, I, I, I fucking love flying the flag for my friends too. Like I'm a great ambassador. I believe in them more than they believe in themselves. A lot of the time, I'm like, you're amazing at this. You should like, you should be so proud of this. And I'm so proud of them, you know. So sometimes I think I'm very good at giving people a boost, and because I, I truly mean it, I'm not trying to blow smoke up their ass. I just think they're incredible people, and they should be. Yeah, they should feel that. Um, but yeah, my my I, my downfall is when I just go zoop, poof, poof into the Aquarian ether.
0: What is it in uh, you know uh, people that would turn you off from being their friend? You say you you know not very judgmental. I don't uh, mean like necessarily yeah. pre-existing friends, but I mean like you know perhaps. You know, someone comes into the social group, you know, what would be the sort of behaviour or aspect of their personality would make you think... I don't really think that this person needs to be included in my Mm -hmm. group of friends.
1: Isn't that funny? Because when you, when you do that, sometimes when you have a bit of a a cold shoulder to someone, I always go, Oh, is that because they're like me? (laughs) Sometimes it's like, Oh, Oh, is that person loud and obnoxious and taking up all the air in the room? Oh, oh, Like (laughs) loves the chat. wants to be the main event. Like, so I need to be aware of that. But no, I would definitely say like arrogance. Like if you're rude to wait staff or Uber drivers Uh or taxi drivers, I'm like, you can just get fucked. I cannot, I can't, I can't spend time with people who think they're better than someone in a lower technical position than them. That is a huge turn off.
0: And do you think you are good at representing that in the way that you live your life? I mean, one of the expressions that I learned when we were doing a show called The Glass House on the ABC was if Ted Robinson, who was the producer of that show, this comes up a little bit, but I I like to say this because I, it was really one of those moments that sticks with me. He said to me one day, he goes, remember, it's everybody's day at work, you know. Exactly. And, you know, when everyone goes home from this show, like, and talks to their partner or their family or whatever about how their day was, you know, that was their day as well. It's not all about you. You're the person that, you know, the camera's being pointed at. You're the person who's blah, blah, blah. But everyone, the person holding the camera and the person who put your microphone on and the, you know, the makeup person who put it together, it's all their day at work as well. And you have some influence over how their day at work is.
1: I'm going to take that. That's, that's perfectly put. That's, that's exactly right. And I, I really feel that. I really feel that.
0: And do you think you honor that? Are you yeah. a person who feels I, like. I hear that back yeah. a lot. Yeah. I hear,
1: I, it's nice. Cause like, you know, when you've been around for so fucking yeah. long, like in this industry, we have been around for a long, long time. And I do hear back nice things. I do hear like, oh, they're amazing to work with. Oh, she's, she's lovely. Like it's not, it's not an act. Like they're just lovely. And our our crew tell us that. And, you know, other people who are at festivals and I mean, I'm not an angel. I definitely have my, my, my grotty days and my, my CBF mornings where I'm hung over and I'm like, Ugh. but generally if you give everyone a little open bit of yourself, every Uber driver or every person that's putting your microphone on and you talk to them and you smile and you have a chat, it's just such a nice, much nicer way to be. Um, and it does spread. I do think it's infectious and I don't know. I just generally have a, pretty good time everywhere I go until so- if, if something bad doesn't happen. I don't ever want to bring the bad. I want to bring the joy. I want to bring the good. And I can see that shit and how it spreads and how it does lift people. And and yeah, I just I just so thoroughly disagree with hierarchy in general. I just think it's absolute bullshit.
0: Yeah, I've got a. I think that might be something about our birthday because mm, there, there is a yes. suspicion of authority that I comes know, with. I know,
1: I don't like top down. Yeah. I hate top <laughs> down. I'm fucking always trying to undermine that shit and like put someone really bizarre at yeah. the top and be like, "Whoa, watch what happens now."
0: Yeah, I am like I. It, it has been one consistent thing about my life has been my general disrespect of like unearned authority, and <laughs> and it's mind. like. Honestly, but it is consistent throughout my life. And I'm like, where did this come from? Like, this is so part of my... And, look, I would have made teachers... Lives a nightmare because of this, and probably in in, in many cases undeserved. Uh, you know, it, because I, yeah. I sniffed something about you know this unearned authority that I just really did not did respond to well. Incidents?
1: Did you have incidents oh, where they were like, "Yeah, I wasn't you say"? Oh
0: no, yeah, Tell absolutely. Me. Oh, so many, like so many. Me too. Me too. Like b- because. I, there was one, oh, you know the famous, okay, okay, okay just a couple of so fa- seconds. You know the famous, oh, if you think you're so smart, why don't you teach the oh class? Oh, my God. That right? is
1: exactly what I was about to say so, to you. I so I had that and I Me I too.
0: made the teacher leave and I taught the class. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's, oh, see, I, said, I okay. cried. I cried. See, that might be just where we we're the same person. You fucking. Talk. I'm so proud of you, because Mr. Mayo, he's like, well, if you think you're so smart, Allah, you teach the class. And I went. Oh. I just got the hot prickles all over my face, and I got the prickles of shame. And I had like a little, like a little. I don't think I like cried, cried openly, but it totally shut me down. I was like, oh, I'm an arrogant know-it-all. I'm an arrogant know-it-all. But. Nah, he was oh, a, no, he was. Just, I, he was a I think
0: I was being an now all. <laughs> I do think that I was. In retrospect, I was like, ah, oh, like, that poor teacher was. Give it a go. But I think that also, yes, absolutely. You're trying to learn how to be yourself and and work out where you fit in the world. So unearned authority is a good one. Um, what are you most curious about about other people? Like, if you could have the you yeah, you're invisible or you have the secret mm. spy cam or you can go through their emails and, like, mm. you know, what is it that you most want to actually, if you could just get to the core of asking a person a question about their life or knowing something about their life, what are you most curious about?
1: Yeah, what's motivating them? I reckon it's what's their actual motivation because I think that's a really helpful thing for us all to have a think about. Um, like what is that core story that you're either fighting against or trying to embrace when well, we probably have both like I'm a, like a, like I said I'm I try to embrace positivity I'm a very positive person I like to spread the joy and all that shit I just said but what am I maybe there's an also there's an intrinsic thing that I would be pushing against um I like would like to know that about a person I'd be like what's your motivation. What are you after? Usually it's approval or love or whatever. Fundamentally, when you, you know, when you look at psychology 101, it's like, I just want to be loved or safe or protected or something. And we all have a million different methods to get that little doggy biscuit of that safety, whether it's like sex or security or money, you know, some dudes just want to get really, really, really rich. So they'll feel safe. So they'll feel valid, which makes them feel safe or whatever, or they think they're never going to die. I know it's fascinating what motivates people. And like, why is it for me, why I'm a little bit mistrustful of money? Or what you said, what's another turnoff? And I have have to admit, like, fuck, I do have a bit of a hard time with really flashy, wealthy people, people who flash the cash. I'm just like. Ugh, ugh. I like I just find that so distasteful, and I, I look at them as though they're an idiot, which they probably aren't. They just happen to get really really rich, and they're proud of it. So, what does that say about me? So, oh no, it just goes on and on.
0: What's your personal relationship to money?
1: Well, yeah, I think I'm 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 working through it. I'm working on it. I'm definitely it's definitely on the chopping block for me right now because I don't want to push against it. I have a good ability to manifest money. Money comes to me and then it goes very mm. quickly. <laughs> I spend it like a maniac. I'm a total spendthrift. My brother got me a book saying, what is it? The the Frugal, The Guide to Frugal Living last year or whatever. He wanted me to get yeah. better at not fucking spending all my money. And it's an amazing book, actually. It really is an amazing book that makes you get far more present to why you might be a spendthrift or what are you, if you're trying to fill a hole with shopping, I don't which I totally do like food and shopping and sex, all the usual and, and like, I mean, not sex, but, um, pleasures of the, the body, like oral fixation or, or just for chicks, for a lot of people, I think it really has become shopping all the time, just purchasing things, purchasing things, purchasing things, purchasing things. Every day we leave the house, everyone buys so much shit every day that never used to be the case. Even, no, relentless even 40 consumption. years ago, relentless yeah. consumption. And and that little dopamine hit it gives us is full on. And because I'm trying to address that in myself, here I am going to see my keep cup, I'm like, okay, I'm going to BYO my coffee today rather than get one down the street. Even though I really want to get one down the street because it kind of feels fun. I like going out and buying a takeaway coffee, but I'm not going to let myself do that today because I don't need to do that today. I want to sort of see if I can do without it. And, um yeah, and I think I've gone off topic a bit. But no, no, money, there so is money, no, no off topic. I, 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 I'm, just,
0: I'm interested in, like, I asked just because... Yeah, uh,
1: I'm trying not to demonise it. I'm try- yeah. And I'm also trying not to, um, yeah, I'm trying to have a healthy, productive relationship with money and it can co- come at me, money. Come at me. I welcome you. And I won't judge others who have a lot of money and and show it either. I should stop judging them.
0: Our, our purchasing is in, it says something about us. Like, I mean, I was talking to my therapist about the fact that I I was last year when I was just in a point in my professional life where I was overloaded with things, I was doing too many things and I, and I wasn't focusing on, wasn't focusing on the things that I enjoyed the most. And so I was just a little out of whack and I was having a hard time reconciling that. And funnily enough, one of the big breakthroughs was because I, I was talking to my therapist about the fact that every time I walked past the, you know, I was in every airport, you know, every time I walked past the bookshop at the airport, I would buy a new book, but I never had any time to read these books. Yes, i
1: totally and been there.
0: my therapist was saying, well, it seems to me like you're shopping for the life that you want rather than the life that you have. And it was such a That's nice great. thought because I was like, you're right. Because what I really do want is some time to read these books. But not just to read the books, like to be able to yeah. think more about the world. The books mm. were kind of a symbol for you know yeah. books get books to me video. were like get off this, you know, Twitter and Facebook and superficial and you know the day-to-day of churning through your know, entertainment. Jumping At the time I was doing hoops. radio and I'm not trying to be dismissive over the radio, because yeah. the radio was fun, but it has a relentless cycle oh, to yeah. the radio that means that you just are constantly Energy thinking out. about light things surface things and what I really wanted to be do was was mm. thinking about deeper things mm. and just having time to explore. And a book to me just became the metaphor for deeper things, you know. Oh, that
1: is so spot on. And I've totally done that too.
0: Yeah. So uh That's anyway, we have got to start finishing up because we've yeah, okay. Well yeah, well, we've got to start finishing up. But it takes a while to finish. It's so good on you don't, for giving
1: yourself that time. If yes. you have got that time now? A bit more well time.
0: more. I'm He's transitioning getting... still mm, transition Ella. I'm not necessarily all... uh, you know there necessarily, but I'm reprioritizing, and I'm happy about it. Like I actually am. I'm, yeah. So, what what element of your work makes you the most happy? O- off that, you know, because yeah, you know, for me, that's, that's for me, wealth. it was for me, it was. Uh, I'll g- give you some time to think while I say mine, because it was just off the back of this conversation, anyway. For me, what I really discovered was that the thing I I've always said this, but the thing that I love the most is is stand up. I love doing stand up. It's the It's the thing that I'm most passionate about. It's the thing that I care about the most. It's the thing that I live and die on. But it's not just doing stand-up. It was having the time to do, yeah, to aspire to do, and this is really hard for me to say Mm -hmm. out loud, but I want to say it out loud because I think part of the problem was, and I think that you'll relate to this because I think it's part of what you've been saying is, I still feel like I could do something great. Yeah. Or at least I'd like to still try. (laughs) I love that. I'd like to try to do something great still. I feel like there's something left that's better than the things that I've done so far. And I felt like I'm always almost trapped in a world where I'd given up on the dream that I still had something really great left in me. Now I might not, but who cares? I want to allow myself the opportunity to explore that because that really is what's Most important to me is the opportunity of going, let's just see if I can, you know, and that'll take a while. And I'm not sure necessarily what that thing is yet, but what I knew was while I was so busy, I was never going to have time to find it. So now the best explanation I could give you is that I've decided to give myself the time to find it. I'm not saying that I know what it is, but I've just tried to give myself some space and time to find it. So now I'm going to ask you the oh, same question. I find what, that so inspiring. That, that I just,
1: you... I've just got so inspired at listening to you say that. That is, that really encapsulates so much of where I'm at too. Duh, because obviously we're like cosmic twins. Basically the same person. We're basically the same person. Basically <laughs> sitting in front of a mirror right now. That's exactly how I feel. And like even part of my desire to go overseas and to try new genres and stuff like that. Is because I, I also think that I could make something great. Like I may not. But I'm, I'm bloody going to give myself a go. And it does take saying no to some uh, the, the busy work. Saying no to the busy work. And fuck it, we've earned it. Like, we are not kids anymore. You in your career, where you're at, like, when you're, like, absolutely killing it. And I know when you're on that spinning hamster wheel and you've got a million shows on the go, everyone's like, wow, Wheels everywhere. so successful. Or Ella's killing it right now. She's doing radio. She's doing TV. She's making her own music. She's doing Killing Honey. It's like, but I've had to let a lot of that go. I've gone, no, 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 no. Just this morning I said no to more free work. Thanks, radio. We love radio, um, don't we? He's like, yeah, I'd really love to come and share my award-winning radio skills with you for free. <laughs> not, not, not. Anyway, another story. Um, saying no is so empowering because we yeah. can give ourselves time. I know, I, I just want to do that. I just want to know that when I, when I croak or whatever, I gave that a chance. Not because I want to ego trip by being the one to do the great work. I just really like the way that... Being in that kind of flow feels like, you know, when you're on something good, when it does start to trickle in, Will, and you're like, oh, fuck, this is it. This is the show. This is my one that I'm really excited about. Whether anyone else agrees with you or not, God, that's a good feeling. You're like, fuck, I really love this work. I think that's a really good song slash joke slash performance. It's like, that is my raison
0: d'etre. Um, what in the world, let's take a broader, just outside, you know, music and comedy and, you know, this sort of conversation that we've been having. When you look at the world, what is it that makes you, you know, most passionate? You know, what, what, you know, issue are you most passionate about? What, you know, tends to command your attention when we look outside our own worlds into the the broader world. What is it for you?
1: Mm, I know I should. I know I should totally say climate change. Everyone should say climate change, but <laughs> it isn't. It's people. Yeah. It's caring for people.
0: So and, and in, in what? Give me some more information it's about
1: respecting that. people. No matter if they fucking come from another country or have a different coloured skin or speak a language that makes you feel uncomfortable. It's like I just. I, am I, is that is that a humanist? Am I a humanist? I don't know. I actually don't understand that term well enough to say, but like I have a very strong urge that all people should be treated fairly and equally, equally well, not just equally shit, equally well. And yeah, and I just, we we, we certainly do not do that. We do some atrocious things because the certain types of people don't fit our, um fit the bill. It's outrageous to me. From uh, indigenous stuff, which is outrageous, to immigration stuff, which is outrageous.
0: I think humanist is a good word. I think that's a nice good. word. Good. I, I mean, racist means you hate races us hope the hope opposite that. Humanist, of that. <laughs> let's hope that humanist doesn't mean you hate humans. Humanist
1: but. enthusiast. That's <laughs> me. Mm-mm-mm, just can't get enough of those humans.
0: Um, what is it that you do for fun outside, you know, creating, you know, sort of art? You know, what is it that, what, what, what do you do for fun?
1: Ah, I like, I like play. I just play with my friends.
0: And what do you mean by that? Like, give us an example. We like just, what's an ideal fun day, you know, for you? Okay.
1: Well, it, recently, non-work <laughs>
0: related. You know, yeah, 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 cool.
1: Well, it kind of does tie back into work because we were at the we are. <laughs> no shit. Like it's still, it's still where I go and have fun at. I'm always a bit like, I shouldn't tell people that, but we're always still up there. You've got these skinny dipping and jumping off the wall. And we've got these massive blow-up lilo's that are so thick. Well, they're not actually lilo's. They're actual air mattresses, like really good expensive ones that you would use in the good guest room. And we chuck them in the weir. We take a few drinks. We take a few other things. And we get yummy food, not cooked by me, obviously, because I can't <laughs> cook. But my, my gorgeous friend who makes the yummy food makes the yummy food. I bring the music and the laughs and we go and get a little bit sunburnt. We jump in the weir and we talk shit and we laugh and... And do backstroke, get covered in mud. The mud's really gross and squishy and sometimes stinks like leaf litter. And, and it's very, it's very wholesome. Very wholesome.
0: Two more questions and then we're done. Uh, working with your brother. That's an interesting thing to me. Obviously, you know, it's a, yeah. Being in a band is a, an incredibly personal dynamic of its own. But then when the person that you're in a band with also happens to be your brother, yeah. well, what's the nature of your relationship now and then? Gosh. Or then and now.
1: Oh, oh, it's, it's so good. I mean, we make people a bit sick cause we get along so well. Um, and we really haven't even had any, <laughs> ever had any giant falling out we've had periods where we haven't been as close and we've been you know like I've needed to go and assert myself in other areas and like break away from the duo or whatever and he's had periods where he's been like go away you're annoying me like stop copying me blah 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 because he's the one who sort of started out in music and I was like oh yes I'll get me some of that um (laughs) and then he could never get rid of me um it's 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 so interesting because I have my own solo b- band, Ella Hooper Project, you know, which I I do tend to employ people that I have known for a long time and friends and stuff. But it's nothing compared to when I get back on the Killing Heidi thing and my brother's there because he's seen me. I mean, he would have seen me in shitty nappies. Like he's he knows me and and still loves me. So good on him. <laughs> We're incredibly close and like it's like we can communicate without speaking. We've always got each other's back. It's like it's like a relationship, you know, like. I love I love him and he loves me but like I once I sort of share that bond with someone like I just yeah I, as I was kind of insinuating before like I I feel very strongly for people like I uh, a- ambassador them like I I like want to push them even farther than they would push themselves and like you know sing their praises. From the highest mountaintop. And I certainly feel like that about Jesse. Like, I just can't believe I got him as my brother. So many other people get dud siblings. I got, (laughs) I only got one, but I fucking got the best one. Like the best one of all time. He's kind, he's smart, he's super generous, he's talented. He's an amazing father to a beautiful little girl who I'm going to babysit straight after this. Yeah, so it's pretty awesome.
0: I, I said two more questions. I've actually got two more now. I'm going to two <laughs> more. questions. I'm never leaving. <laughs> uh, f- first one is that you did uh, uh, what they call uh, was it called Ladies Night Out, Ladies Ladies yeah. Night, work. Ladies Night, full Monty, yeah, Ladies Night. So it's a full. It's a, it was a for charity full. Mon- now was it full Monty? It's no, like it, was it was hardly top, any
1: Monty at hardly all. Hardly any Monty. Barely a Monty <laughs> between us.
0: I did, I did not, I apologize. Well, that's I did not, not what the ads the made it look
1: like. But, um,
0: <laughs> it, like you've been up you know, on a stage in front of people. Did they do it? The M more somewhere? Is yeah. it somewhere like that? Yeah. And so, you know, the Rolling Stones play there. Everything's fine. I'm yeah. sure you've played the Enmore more, you know, uh, with yeah, Killing me, Heidi or I'm plenty Hines. of other, you know, mm-hmm. stuff. What's it like doing something like that? Never
1: with my top off. (laughs) (laughs) So I can tick that one off the list. It was full on. That was so wild because it was a commercial television operation. So you go into that world going, here we go. You know, it's very... Scripted, scripted to make everybody, you know, it's entertainment, right? but it had a very meaningful core in raising awareness and, um, and I think funds as well for breast cancer, which my mom had at the time. So my, our mom has just come out the other end of her breast cancer journey. No, no, that's not true. It's still ongoing. It's going to be ongoing for ages, but she's. Got a great prognosis and she's looking really good and healthy, but she's on this fucking ongoing medication, blah, 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 blah. Had the chemo, had the radio. Now she's on hormone therapy because it was a estrogen hormone reactive kind of breast cancer that she had. And so I was uh, pretty emotional doing it. And the only reason I did do it was that, you know, they kind of called me, they called me not knowing if I had a connection to breast cancer or not. And they said, hey, this is a bit of a crazy show. Don't just slam down the phone. We are going to ask you to reveal your breasts and it's a bit of a strip tease. And and I already knew what the show was because I'd seen the blokes one, like they do a male one, and it's, it's a part of a franchise. They've done it in the UK twice or maybe even more than that before they've done the male, the female. And I was like, oh, yeah, I know what this show is. Yeah, it's like. I actually really, I I really like it. Like it's it's a you'll laugh, you'll cry. Some of it's kind of fluff, and some of it's really affecting and really yeah. beautiful. It's it's and a good it's, fa- it's
0: a family show. Like totally weirdly enough, show. considering what the it, it's a very much made as a family it's not show. Not raunchy no.
1: at all. No. Like you don't see anything. The poor people in the theatre didn't bloody see. Even my mum, who was in the front row, she's like, I didn't see shit. <laughs> I, want my, I want my money back. <laughs> I like yeah I know I know and I come from a family of big booby ladies and in fact like the the what is it the collective noun for my mum's last name name is Kiri my middle name uh. is Kiri but like it's called a bounce of Kiris. <laughs> it's like we're it's like big booby girls and we and we love our boobs and we have fun with them and I liked the kind of comedy aspect of that and yeah. you know not being too precious about it um and I th- I think they kind of got that balance right? Uh, and and it definitely you do get wonderful feedback about people watching the show with their families and then going hey yeah. have you had a breast check lately or dad have you had your you know um all the men's equivalent just talking about checking up on things like that cuz god like let me tell you i'm so freaking glad my mum got onto hers and you know some people aren't so lucky so it is
0: yeah. great uh, well early identification of any it's any so type important. of cancer is your best chance of yeah. being able to beat that cancer totally. so uh uh, this is the final question. We are there. We really have made I it. Know. This has been great, oh, by the way. I it's hope you've so enjoyed great. it, um, because it's been fantastic. Dude, it's This been... is what
1: I love to do. Yeah. Like this is great. talking. Yes, to talking it. to great, great, smart, interesting people is the well, joy. Well, this has been very life.
0: fun, and I'm I'm glad that we got to do it. So thank you very much for doing it. Oh, plugs. Let's plug some stuff. Well, you oh, know, plugs. killing Heidi are touring. What else though? Can we um, plug? Have you got like you know music that we can it's... find, or is there other? Yeah. All what, the Alibaba solo
1: stuff is on Spotify mm-hmm. um, um, as described. If you like, you sort of pop a little bit adult and a little bit bent, a little bit alt, jangle, jangle. I'll be going back to Nashville soon and doing some more recording. So I do have some new music on the way. Great. That's probably going to go harder into that Americana territory um, and really embrace the twang that is my birthright coming from the country. Actually, I'm from the country so I can play country. You know, anyone can play country. Um, But that's that's all TBC coming soon. Um, Other than that, Killing Heidi are touring with Baby Animals, which is going to be... Frickin' off its dick, if I can say that. Like, baby animals are one of the most amazing. Now, was, was
0: Susie DiMarchi, uh, uh, a role model, like yes. a person that you grew up sort of Massively. watching. Massively. And, yeah.
1: and, and now I get to watch her night after night. Like, we're coming, we're coming becoming quite good friends, you know. Like, I'm probably going to stay with her in L.A. when I go over there. And she's an amazing woman. Um, you know, fuck, it's not about this. But she's 50, and she is so hot, and she's so vital, and she's doing, she's like, yeah, I just love this. I want to keep doing it. I never want to stop. I hadn't. I hadn't let myself even imagine myself at right. 40, let alone 50, being a full-on ass-kicking, well-paid, killing-it rock chick. And but now, now I you s- do? Now I do. Now I'm yeah. like, oh, maybe that is an option for me. I've always just been just about to get a real job, just about to get a real job, just about to hang up my rock boots and go and write that book. But now I'm like, fuck, maybe yeah. I don't have to. Thanks, Suze. No. Yeah,
0: exactly. Anyway, they're
1: a great shows, so come and see us. We're touring all around the country in a couple of months' time.
0: Brilliant. Okay. This is the final question. I have a time machine. I don't, by the way, I need to point that out legally, but I I have a time machine for the purposes of this question. It is a one round trip. So you get to come back. It's fine. Oh, good. Um, you're going to go to a point in your life and you get, these are your choices. You either get to just observe it, you know, see something that you went through, but just get to, you know, be there and watch it happen, you know, that you often don't get to do when you're in the middle of it. Or you get to change something in your life. <laughs> um, you don't have to take the trip, by the way. That is the third option. The third option is I prefer not to take your trip on your time machine, but I'd like if you'd take the trip on the time machine. Where would you go? What would you do?
1: Oh, God, that's so loaded, isn't it? Because everything changes if you change.
0: I mean, I've not have to, That's though. what they say in the movies. I know. <laughs> that's what they say in the movies. <laughs> they say but don't but kill
1: any animals. Don't fall yeah, in love.
0: I know. But, um, I mean, let's just say that, that it's more you sort of – uh, version of time travel where your past can never be changed. When you go to the past, your past becomes your future, right? It's a new timeline. You can't affect the past. You can only, anyway, whatever. The, the point being, it's a hypothetical question, Ella. It's not <gasps> going to happen. I'm stressed. You can just answer it in whichever <laughs> uh, way you feel. I, 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 I,
1: I. I think... Only it's a really boring thing that pops into my mind. Be boring. It's really boring. It's fine. If they've made it
0: this far, they've loved it. Production
1: decisions. Like (laughs) I'm really not over this, am I? Like I think we chose the wrong producer once, and we had the option of a really, really fucking cool producer who I don't even know if they even really work much anymore. Any one of the it was a producing duo, Mm. and one of the the girl, the lady in that duo, has now passed away. So I always thought I could go back and work with them one day. An amazing music making team from the States, um, who Alan and Natasha, and they're amazing. Like Alan is still making music. He makes music with like Queens of the Stone Age and PJ Harvey and all these fucking amazing, like bands that I froth for and have always admired. But back when we had them sort of wooing us and saying, would you like to make your next record with us? We really think you're amazing. We think we could do something really incredible. We just did a weird little pivot and went with the most lame guy that was going, I'll make your record. I'm going to make it just like this. And I think it's going to be really, and we just sort of drank the Kool-Aid with this guy who clearly wasn't as cool, clearly wasn't as creative, but felt more familiar. And so I would absolutely go back to that moment in time and be like, no, we're going with Ellen and Natasha. And especially because Natasha died a few years, you know, after that and can't work with her anymore. So...
0: That's a fucking great answer. Okay. So, that's exactly oh, that's so the sort of fun. shit that I'm looking for Whee! when I ask that question. You've nailed that. <laughs> thank uh, thank you. you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much.